0: From Brown Cow Studios in Gallatin Gateway, Montana, this is News Nerds, I'm Ezra Graham. As the war in Ukraine continues, now in its second week, we have what you need to understand the Russian invasion. We're starting off the show this week with the latest on Ukraine, including the occupation of the Port City zone, President Biden's State of the Union address, and how the world is reacting to the invasion as a whole. Now, we're going directly to Ukraine afterwards, where freelance journalist Mircha Barbu is reporting. We recorded our interview on Sunday, so some of what you're going to hear may not be up to date. It's Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022, and this is News Nerds. Now, the information on the top story this week, the war in Ukraine, is constantly changing. So we're going to take a minute to talk about the latest as of Wednesday evening. So, in the south of Ukraine, in the port city of Kherson, reports from Russian state media say that Russian forces have taken control of the city. Now, others say that Ukrainians still have control of the city. Uh, on Facebook, the mayor of Kherson, Igor Kolykaev, said that quote, "The flag above us is Ukrainian." unquote. Oh Regardless of who controls the city, protests broke out as citizens patriotically waved their country's flag. Crowds of blue and yellow adorned citizens stood defiantly in front of Russian troops. According to reports from the city, explosions and gunshots went off intermittently and Russian troops broke into businesses. Elsewhere in the country, in the capital city of Kiev, the massive Russian military convoy headed to this key city, has been thwarted for the time being by the fierce military resistance from Ukrainians, as well as a lack of food and fuel. Speaking on Wednesday, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky told the nation that Russians will not prevail.
1: It is beyond humanity. This rocket strike proves that for many people in Russia, our Kiev is absolutely foreign. They don't know a thing about our capital, about our history but they all have orders to erase our history, erase our country, erase us all. Just think about this figure. Almost 6,000 Russians died, Russian servicemen, within six days of war. A figure without enemy losses during the past night. 6,000. In return for what? In return for Ukraine? It is impossible. It will not happen with rockets. It will not happen with bombs, tanks, any strikes. We are on our land and there will be an international tribunal to prosecute them for the war against us.
0: Now, already the U.S. estimates that Russia has deployed 82 percent of forces stationed outside Ukraine, in addition to firing more than 450 targeted missiles. As for reported casualties in the war, well, both sides contest these numbers. On the Russian side, General Igor Kunashenkov, a spokesperson for the Russian Ministry of Defense, reports that only 500 Russian troops have been killed. Now, on the Ukrainian side, President Vladimir Zelensky reports almost 6,000 Russian casualties. While the president didn't address the number of Ukrainian casualties so far, Russia says that almost 2,900 troops were killed. Another key issue that we should be addressing is the humanitarian emergency caused by the shelling in Ukraine. According to the UN, more than 900,000 Ukrainians now have fled their country, marking the largest emigration in Europe since the late 19th century, when the Balkan Wars were taking place Now, luckily, Poland, Romania, and other bordering countries are embracing Ukrainian migrants and helping them to find shelter, food, and jobs. We just got a clearer picture on what side the world stands regarding the invasion. The UN voted to condemn Russia's actions, with 141 of the 193 United Nations voting in support of Ukraine. While 35 nations abstained from the vote, only 5 nations voted against condemning Russia. Those nations were Belarus, North Korea, Eritrea, Syria, and Russia itself. Among other nations, long-standing allies Cuba, Nicaragua, and China abstained from the vote. The passing resolution stated that the United States, quote, deplores in the strongest terms the aggression by the Russian Federation against Ukraine. In addition, the UN demanded that the Russian Federation immediately cease its use of force against Ukraine and immediately, completely and unconditionally withdraw all of its military forces." Speaking to the UN, the Ukraine ambassador asked for a decisive vote condemning Russian actions.
2: They have come to deprive Ukraine of the very right to exist. They
1: have come to resolve the Ukrainian issue, as their propagandists
2: claimed.
0: Back in the nation's capital, President Biden delivered his State of the Union speech, beginning his address with remarks on the war in Ukraine.
2: Russia's Vladimir Putin sought to shake the very foundations of the free world, thinking he could make it bend to his menacing ways. But he badly miscalculated. He thought he could roll into Ukraine and the world would roll over. Instead... He met with a wall of strength he never anticipated or imagined. He met the Ukrainian people. (laughs) To every Ukrainian, their fearlessness, their courage, their determination literally inspires the world. Groups of citizens blocking tanks with their bodies. Everyone from students to retirees to teachers turned soldiers defending their homeland. And in this struggle, President Zelensky said in his speech to the European Parliament, light will win over darkness.
0: Well, that's the latest on the Ukraine-Russia conflict. Next, we're going straight to Ukraine with freelance journalist Mirsha Barbu. Now, I have to say, before we get into this interview, I really admire this guy. He is truly an amazing journalist. Not only has he been reporting from the ground in hard-hit cities like Marupol, but he's now in Kyiv reporting on the ground. Let's go to our, my interview with Mircha Barbu, which I recorded last Sunday. Mircha Barbu is a freelance journalist. He's now in Ukraine reporting on the Russia-Ukraine uh, conflict. He joins us now. Thanks for being with us.
1: Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me.
0: So can you give us a quick backstory on this conflict? You've been here for, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks now, I think. What, what, what did it look like a few days back? And then how did it es- escalate from there?
1: So I arrived in Ukraine, uh, yes, two weeks ago on a Sunday. I came by bus through Moldova and then kind of made my way into uh, Odessa, and uh, the first feeling I had, it was that everyone is, was on a very relaxed, uh, I wouldn't say party mood, but definitely, oh, that was a loud explosion right here. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the train station in Vinica, goes to Kiev, and, and uh, there's been a lot of explosions and alarms going off. So if you hear that, or if I hear the alarm, I might have to go into the shelter. Okay. Um, anyways, so I was saying... Um, I made my way uh, into Odessa, and um, first thing I did was just talk to people on the train, get a sense of the city, get a sense of the, the country, where, where how they see the the situation. And uh, everyone was so relaxed, I would actually say too relaxed for what was going on, even at the time. And then. Um, I made my way into Kiev, and I found pretty much the same thing. People just completely um, ignorant of uh, what was going on at their borders. Uh, But at the same time, I guess they were trying to maintain some sort of calm and um, normality, Uh, just going about their day, going to work. Uh, Public transport was working. Everything was just fine. And then four days ago, all hell broke loose. And um, that was, uh, I was in in a hotel in Mariupol, Eastern Ukraine, when I got a phone call from a, a colleague of mine, journalist in Kiev, and he said, hey, um, just heads up, we, we've been told to evacuate our offices, uh, people here really panicking, all the fixers, producers, local journalists are like getting all, all kinds of um, messages on uh, social media, on their private phones from their sources saying it's happening tonight, it's, it's going down. And uh, at the same time, I was uh, getting the same messages from my fixer, my translator in Mariupol, who called me literally two minutes up, I hung up with uh, with my colleague and he said i'm sorry i cannot work with you anymore i have to go um just be safe bye it was just like really abrupt and really weird so that's when i i I kind of felt that okay something might happen but i mean looking back at the time there was so much um information every day coming from intelligence and the uh, uh, washington administration and everyone was just saying it's happening today it's happening tomorrow it's happening at 3 a.m it's happening at 5 a.m so i, I took that with a pinch of salt and and you know in um, i think I took way too much salt given what, uh, what was happening and i said okay uh, at least i'm gonna sleep with my clothes on i'm gonna pack my bags um grab my um, to go back and then head to the shelter if something is actually gonna happen tonight and it did
0: where are you right now and you know, what does it look like
1: Well, I'm in uh, Vinica. This is a small town uh, somewhere in between Chernivsky, which is close to the Romanian border, and Kiev, the capital city. I'm about 300 kilometers from the capital city. Um, This is uh, one of the main points, the main train stations where um, a lot of people from eastern Ukraine are coming at the moment, making their way down to uh, Romania's border. So basically, you have... Three routes out of Ukraine, if you want to leave right now, as a Ukrainian or like a foreign student or anyone that's just been stuck in this war. Um, some of the people make their way down from Eastern Ukraine to the moldovan Odessa border. Um, some of them end up here in Vinica, where I am now, and onwards for on a short one and a half, two hours bus ride to um, Chernivtsi, and then to the Romanian border. And the long, longest and probably the crowded um, route is the one out of Lviv and then on to, onwards to Poland. So and uh, I would say, so here right now, is um, it's crowded, but people are not panicking. It's, it's quite calm. What I'm seeing and what I've seen throughout the day is a lot of foreign students, mostly Syrians. Um, I've seen some Egyptians. Uh, Ukraine is very popular and well-known for its um, medical university. So that's why a lot of people choose to come here and study. Uh, and now th- these people are just leaving Ukraine uh, in a rush. And it's an interesting uh, phenomenon because you have Syrians. And I just spoke with a young man um, just minutes ago uh, who said, you know, it, for me, it's, it's so strange. I left Syria to study in Ukraine thinking well, it's a peaceful country and I won't see war in Europe. And here I am in less than 25 years in my life fleeing war the second time. And that, that just hate you when you actually start to, you know, stop and think about it. And uh, another thing that I think you should know and... Uh, your listeners should know, is that there are loads of students, um, they were telling me the, the exact same thing. Ukrainian universities in eastern Ukraine, but throughout the country, they told them to not panic when the embassies two weeks ago advised their nationals their their students to leave the country immediately and actually threaten them to expel them from classes if they leave so um, obviously this is i mean i have to check with the, the ukrainian government and the universities and get a position from from them as well but this is what they were telling me on the train here and uh, it's just not one group or two groups and different groups that didn't seem to know each other and then again and vinita train station um, asked the same question to um, some uh, egyptian students and they they all- They're all telling me the same story. And if that's true, that's absolutely disturbing that Ukraine, in in its attempt to keep things calm, basically held young people, students hostage in a war zone.
0: Yeah, that is kind of insane. Uh, When, you know, if if this really escalates a lot more and many people, uh, like, lots of more people have to take shelter in a you know, another country because it's just become so extreme. Where will they go? Are the Polish government and the Romanian government accepting them?
1: So at the moment, um, all the borders are open. People can leave the country if they wish to do so. Uh, Obviously, there's um, a a lot of uh, queues at the border. I've been uh, hearing stories of three plus hours just waiting on the Ukrainian side to cross. But I also heard stories on the Romanian and Polish, Hungarian and even the Moldovan border with um, hundreds of volunteers offering their services um, to to people fleeing Ukraine at the moment. Whether that's just a a ride to the nearest airport, food, uh, accommodation overnight, a hotel room. So there's been a massive, massive um, um, volunteer effort at the moment in Eastern Europe because uh, Ukraine is seen here as uh, the last front line for uh, I mean, a possible invasion of Russia into eastern Ukraine. Both Ukrainians and uh, Romanians, or Moldovans, or uh, uh, Hungarians. Um, think that if uh, Putin will not be stopped in Ukraine, they might be next. So this is a terrifying thought that makes them um, express such solidarity. And obviously it's not just a security concern. We all see images of the Ukraine with even the President Zelensky in in the street defending his country with the old old people just uh, standing in front of the tanks. I mean, these are um, obviously some some very serious acts of defiance. civil defiance. And uh, uh, that kind of won the hearts and the minds of uh, people around the world, including here in uh, Eastern Europe.
0: What do the citizens of Ukraine think of Zelensky right now? Because he he wasn't as popular as he's become and now everybody seems to love him for his courageous efforts to try to protect the city and stay in Kiev. We looked at you know you look back to the conflict in Afghanistan and the president left in a helicopter full of cash so this is a really different story here
1: absolutely well if you think about it Zelensky wasn't really unpopular he was i think my my feeling was that he wasn't taken serious uh, at face value when he actually won the presidential election because he was coming from the entertainment sector everyone kind of thought okay this is an actor this is a guy putting on a show because he's talented but is he a real politician that was the real question here and um his uh, uh party um people's uh, solution naroda the people's party uh, became very popular but also very populist um so, um, a couple of weeks ago, I actually did an interview with uh, one of the uh, MPs of Romanian, uh, representing the Romanian community in Ukraine. And, uh, he's, um, he was saying that Zelensky visited the, uh, well, some of the Romanian communities here and um, found out that one of the bridges was uh, destroyed by waters, by some sort of floods, and said, okay, uh, let's fix that, let's uh, get it done in a month. And I did ask, um, my follow-up question was, well, do you not think this is populism? Do you, do you want to live in a country where uh, stuff gets done, like basic infrastructure stuff gets done only if the president comes to visit and he says so? Um, so they didn't really perceive it as populism, but a lot of the Ukrainian society thought Zelensky setting heading to some sort of uh, populist type of uh, ruling the country and obviously that all changed when the war started because now we see a president active in the in the streets uh, amongst the people among his soldiers inspiring them with uh, his messages he's very calm he's very determined and uh, his communication team, I think they're they're doing a very good job at keeping him present in the in the minds and hearts of Ukrainians, but also in the international scene. He's he's won a lot of respect from uh, people. I'm, I'm watching tweets, I'm watching social media, I'm watching um, you know different politicians tweeting about Zelensky, and everyone seems to like him right now.
0: So as um, the, the world watches this conflict, how is Ukraine's small military standing up to Russia's? Because as of now, I believe no city has fallen to Russia.
1: Well, I don't think we've seen the full power of Russia's military just yet. I think we've only seen a a, a small sample of what Russia can do. Just as we talk now, um, I'm scrolling to different alerts on my phone, and I see that um, Putin has uh, put the uh, nuclear um, capacity on high alert. So I I think we're going to see, if not nuclear, maybe that's just... uh, more toward tough talk than than in the walk but uh, I think we're gonna wow, did you hear that?
0: Okay, yeah, I just I was just waking up and I wasn't seeing all this Okay Okay.
1: Yeah. Did, you hear, did you hear that loud thump? That was uh, an explosion really close to the train station
0: So there's explosions going off right now there Close to. Yes,
1: absolutely. I mean, there's been going on, explosions have been going on in this uh, small town since I arrived around, around 12 o'clock. And okay. now they're getting louder and louder and closer and closer.
0: Do you need to go? Or are you...
1: I think I'll be fine if okay. the alarm goes off. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I have to find uh,
0: shelter, yeah. but uh, it's just—it's a
1: very eerie experience, as Ezra. To be honest, yeah. I mean, you hear these loud explosions really close, and I myself—I'm just Im- immediately like men- mentally—I'm high alert. And people are—I mean—they're are, just on their phones right now around me, charging their phones, talking to people, uh, watching. Um, outside on the window, it's just, um, it's very, it's very contrasting. And I, I would say that that's a defining, defining image of um, how Ukraine's been for the last couple of weeks.
0: Wow. Uh, so um, do you think that uh, Ukrainians are, <laughs> are uh, grateful for other nations that are trying to help them? Or would they like more from the the rest of the world because the U.S. has said that they're not going to send troops to participate in the conflict uh, and now the world is just putting sanctions on Putin. That's pretty much all they're doing.
1: So, um, I think uh, what we've been seeing from the Ukrainian politicians and um, their whole communication strategy towards um, international community, towards the international community, is that uh, we want more diplomatic and political support. We want you to um, put some sanctions in place that will actually have some economic effect on Russia. But we definitely don't need troops on the ground. Um, that was, uh, in a nutshell, expressed by Zelensky just the other day when um, the U.S. offered uh, an evacuation plan for him and his family, and he said, I don't need to take a walk, I need you to send me bullets. And that's true. I mean, politicians here, but also Ukrainians, feel like they can defend themselves. All they're asking is for the right equipment. To do so, and some sort of political diplomatic support to open a negotiating um, line with Russia and try to stop whatever is left to stop out of this war, if possible. Um, so, in a nutshell, yes, Ukrainians are very uh, happy that the international community is standing by them at the moment, and um, they would like to receive more, but that that uh, receiving more means more political support uh, and more tools to to defend themselves. They don't think and they don't want troops on the ground, although it's worth mentioning that Zelensky did make an invitation for uh, anyone who wants to join the fight in Ukraine against Russia to come here and help. So, um, but it's more like foreign fighters, uh, you know, these people who are. Going into conflict zones specifically for this type of uh, assignment, and um, it's an interesting topic in itself to talk about foreign fighters in Ukraine at the moment, or you know, coming from other conflict zones like Syria or Iraq and ending up uh, here. We'll be seeing that a lot, in my opinion, in the next couple months or so. Uh,
0: are 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 um, Ukrainians worried about an you know a major world? Disaster, because as we watch, you know, everybody's worried that this might escalate to something nuclear. Well, I think Ukrainians at
1: the moment are worried about themselves, and uh, they're in a position where um, they really don't think of uh, what uh, what happens with uh, other countries. Not necessarily because they're ignorant or anything like that. Far from that. I think they're in a survival mode at the moment. I mean, we've seen uh, militias here in the train stations. I've been stopped in the last four hours since I've been here at least three times. Had my passport checked, had my bags checked. Asked where I'm going, where I'm coming from, what am I doing here? polite, but people are on high alert. So at the moment, they're, they're they're worried about their survival. They have Russian tanks at the gates of their cities. So their priorities, I think they're a bit different than
0: worrying about the international community. Based on what you're seeing, um, Merche, do you think that some Ukrainian cities will fall in the coming days as, as we see more conflict arise?
1: That's, a, that's an interesting question. It depends on what you mean by falling. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of um, uh, resistance in the capital city and uh, western Ukraine, which is obviously more pro-Kyiv's um, government, and less in eastern Ukraine, where people will not put up a fight as much as they would here in the capital city. Uh, that's one thing. On the other hand, um, when they will fall, some of these cities, they might be um, going back to the Ukrainian army. So we'll be seeing a lot of, probably, uh, a lot of moving back and forward uh, because just, um, they're. I'm sorry, they're announcing a trend to evolve if anyone wants to get on it. And this is the most popular train at the okay. moment in this train it, It's just uh, people massively queuing up to, to get a uh, seat on this train, no matter if it's standing or um, in, in the normal seat. But, um, yeah, getting back to your question, basically, um, to, to put it in a nutshell, I don't think... Um, the question is about what city is going to fall or not. It's more of a question on how Russia, an invading army, will manage to, to control uh, such a huge, huge country as Ukraine is.
0: Mircea Babu, thank you so much for talking to me. It was it was so nice to um, meet you, and I. I wish you the best of luck.
1: Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking to you again.
0: That's it for this week's episode of News Nerds. You can find us on the web at newsnerdspodcast.com. There you can listen to past episodes of News Nerds, Cow Pies, and other News Nerds extras. You can also listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. While you're there, please subscribe to the podcast. While you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Another way to listen is by listening every other week on Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on KGVM Community Radio for the Gallatin Valley. If you are not in the Gallatin Valley area, go to KGVM's website, kgvm.org, to listen on their live stream.